This is the Orange Podcast. Conversations with Orange City Council for the local community. This is Alan Reader, and you've tuned in to the Orange Podcast. In Orange, Food Week is now starting for another year. If you're visiting town and you've enjoyed a morsel of orange in a Food Week event, I hope this episode of our weekly podcast will give you a better glimpse of what else is going on behind the scenes in this fantastic community. Coming up today, we'll hear an update on the latest plans to give the heart of our city a major boost. Work is about to start in Lord's Place. We'll find out where and how we're working with local shopkeepers to minimise the impact on their trading. But first, try this quick quiz. Here's Council CEO David Waddell. But what is it that he's talking about? It's really where the rubber hits the road. It's the crystallisation of democracy. It's the end of the journey. It's where all the thoughts, the aspirations, the ideas from councillors actually are crystallised into one document. We'll hear more from the council CEO and why he gets excited about the annual council budget later in the show. One of the big changes happening in in the City of Orange at present is Future City, a very bold plan to redo, upgrade the whole CBD, make it an attractive place the whole community can be proud of. Actually making those changes means a whole lot of fun and games. We've been working on some plans for Lord's Place and for McNamara Street and Bing Street um, for a while now. Um, Sensibly enough, when you put out a draft plan, the community comes back and says, hmm, yeah, can we do that bit instead of that bit? And so we readjust plans. The fun part is that on Tuesday this week, um, some final plans went to council. They looked at them and they endorsed them. And now we start work to find out some more. The person who's been knocking on the door of local businesses, keeping them in touch, Community Engagement Officer Ellie Bryce. Ellie, why is it important to keep the businesses in touch with things happening right outside their doorstep? I guess, Alan, you know, the obvious reason is that if you have a business and we're about to go and change that street that it is located on, you want to know what's going on. So this work will involve a fair bit of construction that will last up to six months. So we want them to be in touch the whole way through and know what's going to happen when it's going to happen. I guess that's one of the big risks of any major change like this. If you're going to break eggs, that means the people who will be at the brunt um, is, is if, I, if, if the work's going to stop people coming into my shop, I'm going to go broke. Mm. And look, Alan, that is, I guess, the worst case scenario. Yeah. We're hoping to obviously, you know, get through this as best we can. And that's why we keep the businesses in touch. So we work around when their operating days are, when, you know, there may not be a day where we could block a driveway. So we work around that. And that's why keeping in contact with them the whole time is really important. Yeah, sure. And as well as that, those sorts of last minute things, um, they're involved in the big picture planning of what things will look like. Let's look at a couple of streets. McNamara Lane is one of the first discrete little areas of Orange that will now be upgraded. It's great that we're doing a, a small little bit and we get practised and we learn some more before we go to the big one, Summer Street, one day. Lord's Place started it with plans for a lot of trees. There's less trees this time, isn't there? There is, Alan, yeah. We started with roughly 20 new trees going in. That's both on the street and up in the car park and in the little parking, um, little parklet areas. But it's now decreased down to about 13, um, and that's only with seven on the street, though. And that was mainly around parking concerns for those businesses. As we all know, McNamara Street's quite a tiny little laneway. Not much parking as is quite congested as well now that the hive's moved in as well. There's lots of people 
people there all the time. So one of their big concerns was parking loss. So obviously when we introduce new trees, we have to lose a few car spaces. So we've come to, I guess, a resolution where um, both parties are happy. We get new trees, but not as much parking is lost. Similar with plans for an extra loading zone. That's gone by the by. Yeah, that's right. So some of our businesses originally expressed that they'd love an extra loading zone because the one that is there, which is closer to the entrance of McNamara Street, um, is often utilised. So they thought an extra one will be great. Um, But then, you know, later in consultation, when they realised that that would mean losing an extra two or three car parks, even if it was timed for just the morning, um, you know, that would play a big effect on some other businesses that relied on car spaces. So um, yeah, we we got rid of the loading zone, um, but I feel like everyone down there is okay with that because that came from their decision. So yeah. Any other key changes for McNamara Street? Um, I guess the only other one is that we originally had plans to take up two car parking spots in our car park, which is just next to the Canobolis there. Um, And we plan to... um, put two shipping containers, two or three, um, and they were going to be decked out as little stores. So whether, you know, a pop-up coffee shop or, you know, a a tie-dye artist or something at home that wants to, you know, leave his back shed and come downtown into the CBD. The, that was the idea of the little decked out shipping containers. And we're only going to start with one now instead of two or three. Um, and that again is to save on car spots because we obviously need to put these containers somewhere. But it might not be such a bad thing to be able to test with just one and then build from there. And we do reserve the right to pop more down there, which could well happen if they're successful. This is a little thing that'll look like a pop-up store but if it needs change, they could be moved somewhere else. Oh, certainly. So that's right. You know, what's to say the first one goes in McNamara Street and it goes well and then, you know... uh business up towards Hill Street thinks we could do with one next to us to get a few you know a few more pedestrians walking around the place so look we'll pop them wherever we can or more in McNamara if that's the spot to have them. When it came to plans for Lord's Place in Bing Street there was lots of discussion with the taxi people Um, the plan was to move them plan A was to move them taxi rank around from Lord's Place in a summer street. As a result of that conversation, that's now changed. What's the new plan for the taxi rank? Yeah, it certainly has, Alan. I guess, as you mentioned earlier, it's um, with any plans, there comes changes. And when we start to get ideas out into the media and the public, um, obviously we get opinions back. So it became very clear that moving the taxi rank into summer street wasn't what the community wanted overall. Um, so, yeah, we listened. We got the taxi co-op back in and the, you know, the greater taxi community in. Um, and they all said no. We've got to stay where we are. It works well. It's a great space, whatever else. So we thought, great, keep them where they are, upgrade that, I guess, facility to make it more appealing um, and, you know, keep them keep them happy, which it works for us. Plans for a pedestrian crossing have shifted and gone a bit further north. They're still going to be a new one, but in a different place. Yeah, that's right. So with keeping the taxi rank where it is, um, that means our pedestrian crossing that would have run across the current one um, gets bumped up a little towards the north. So it'll now run basically in dead centre of that street and it'll link up towards with the uh, middle of the park. But it, you know, it frees, it frees up traffic a little bit as well. The plans have now been endorsed by council. Um, tenders are about to be awarded. 
that means you'll need to be stay in touch with the businesses in Lord's Place now. What, what are the plans to keep them in touch? Yes, yeah, certainly. So we're only um, a couple of weeks away from starting work and that involves a bit of prep with water mains and things and then we just roll into the greater project. So construction isn't far away and it's now my job to make sure, as you said, our businesses know what's happening. So we're having a closed forum with all of them. It's sort of an invite only with our businesses that will be directly affected on both Lord's Place and Bing Street um, and we've got the... Uh, awarded contractor coming along as well and we're just going to run through the scope of works the construction schedule how we plan to do things so everyone knows the game plan in terms of the wider communities extra articles on the council website coming up soon to to tell people what these changes are spell out what's behind them Yep, certainly. So, of course, you know, keeping our businesses in touch is obviously a priority, but so is keeping the community in touch. So we'll certainly be uh, pumping out some good media about that on um, all our social media sites. um, And, you know, that will just let people know what the plan is. Council Community Engagement Officer Ellie Bryce. Here on the Orange Podcast uh, at Orange City Council's meeting on Tuesday night this week, the annual draft budget was uh, approved and put out for community comment. It's one of those documents that's uh, hundreds of pages thick and full of lots and lots of numbers. But what does it really mean? Um, Dave Waddell, Orange City Council CEO. Dave, what's a budget to you? Is, is it a, a hope list? Is it an intention list? Is it a priority list? What's it about for you? Well, actually... Um Alan, hello, Alan. It's really where the rubber hits the road. It's the crystallisation of democracy. It's the end of the journey. It's where all the thoughts, the aspirations, the the ideas from councillors actually are crystallised into one document. And it, it is those ideas that they come up with, that the community comes up with, that are brought to us, that we then have to spend the next year doing. It's what we build. It's what programs we run. It's the footpaths, the roads. It's actually our our blueprint. It sounds like it's that's a, that's a whole lot more. That's a whole lot more inspirational than, than most people want to understand pages of figures. Well, I think so. Hmm. That's the way I think about it. Anyway, I don't, whether that's just my mind or not, but that's it is pretty much our running orders for the next year. In fact, the next four years. How is that assembled? Is that something that comes out of nowhere or is it, is it genuinely come from the aspirations of the community in some way? Well, there's the thing, right? So local government is actually quite simple. 90% of it is quite routine. We must fix roads. We must build roads. We must, you know, deliver water. We must deal with sewage. We must deliver footpaths and we must deliver services, libraries. So a lot of it's quite routine year after year. So 90% of the budget just continues as was with a little tweak here or there. 10% of it, I would say, is aspirational. So that's where the community can kick in. They say, well, look, we need, we would like to see a new conservatorium. We would like to see, you know, a, a new, a, a new something. You know, we would like to see a future city project where the city gets tidied up. So it's the 10% that's aspirational that changes every year. You'll remember last year we got really aspirational, said let's dig into the reserves and get and go and build some future stuff. So this is a continuation of that. When we, we have a new council, there's a thing called a community strategic plan. We go out of our way to actively listen to the whole community and on the basis of that we learnt some things 
about what's important to the community. Do some of those aspirations filter through over the following four years and does that take the shape of a budget? Well, they really should and that's how democracy works. You go out to the public. In the, so when we get the new council, we'll go to the public. We'll say, what's important to you? And we've got that guiding document from the last time we went out. You know, people want more sporting facilities. They want environment to be important. They want renewable energy. They want more footpaths. They want, you know, We get a guide. So it gives council and staff the ability to, to run a test over ideas and say, well, actually, I think this is not really what the people want. And that's how democracy should work. So we'll do that again with a new council and we'll get a new community strategic plan and that'll guide us for the next four years. Is a budget also a a form of accountability? Um, When you get to the end of the 12 months, you can say, actually, did we do that? Have we spent the money? Is it really that important to us or did we not get around to it? Oh, big time. Any fool can promise to do stuff. At the end of the year, you know, you hope that you have delivered the projects particularly. Um, otherwise, you just end up in this cycle of promise under deliver, which, which I really do hate as an engineer. Yeah. That sounds like a, a whole lot of the budget is a, is a long-term planning process and that, that's happened over recent months and months and years even. What's happened now is that the budget has gone up, up for community comment. There's been a draft that's been put out to the community. They can also have their say at that point. And you can also make last-minute tweaks, can't you? Oh, absolutely. I think back to last year's budget, there was a group of residents in Wentworth um, Estate, and they really felt strongly that they needed a playground. And when you looked at it, they did need a playground. There were a lot of young families and there was no playground. They got together, they worked, the councillors, and, and that was put in at the last moment. A very successful campaign. Makes sense. It'd give the people what they want. And, and councillors need, over the 28 days it's on exhibition, need to listen carefully to their constituents and, and come back and say, well, look, we were wrong. This, this is not what is wanted, but this extra thing might be a good substitute. So, yeah, you, know, you have to keep your ear to the ground. That's about to happen. So if you want to have your say, go to the Orange Your, your Say Orange website. You can fill in an easy poll. You can um, leave a comment in your, or you can work out how, a major formal submission. Dave, are you hoping lots of community members will do just that? Well, I think last year we had great success with Your Say and some of the work our comms team's been doing. But previously, we used to get dribbles in, but I think the way our comms team has got it, have a look on Your Say. It makes it far more sort of uh, relatable. Um, remember, this is your money, ratepayer. This is us telling you how we want to spend your money. So, you know, please get involved, get involved. On top of that, uh, in recent months, Orange City Council started doing community information forums where there's a big topic like uh, mountain bikes on the mountain or plans to cut down trees in Bloomfield. And we've had a face-to-face gathering where people can come along and hear a presentation and ask their questions. Is the budget important enough to do that this time? Yeah, we've actually made a decision to, for the first time to do an interactive budget session. So we have plenty of notice for that. And we'd hope councillors will be there, public come along, have a look at the summary that goes out on your say. Come along, ask questions, talk to your councillors, talk to staff. We'll tell you how it works. The budget is an exercise in democracy. Dave, thanks for your time today. Thanks, Alan. You're listening to the Orange Podcast, and for a wrap of all kinds of things that have been rattling the walls of Orange City Council this week, Development Services Director Mark Hodges. Mark, thanks for joining us. You had a council meeting this week, um, as well as the budget that we've heard from Dave earlier. A couple of interesting new planning things going on there. There's a couple of areas in town around the DPI and the heritage zones where you've got new planning controls that are in the pipeline. Why is it important to have those as an extra bit of a planning resource? Alan, these are think about thinking in the future of what our the future needs of the city are. Um, up near the uh, at the old base hospital site where the new Depi building is, Department of Planning, council owns the western side of that block still, the vacant side. So that provided a unique opportunity for the town to 
uh, you know, come up in density, have some high-rise um, units in there. So um, the council's pretty keen to progress that and and uh, look at selling that block. So what we did the other day was the council considered a development control plan, which sets out overall heights and how we want to handle the area in relation to car parking on site, um, uh, what the building might look like, uh, how it links in with both the new DPI building, that so with the where it shows what a high quality new building could look like, but also take into account the nearby heritage uh, houses. So unique opportunity and really exciting to watch that space. Uh, we also had over um, the, the with the heritage uh, conservation areas and heritage items through the city, uh, we're finalising that planning uh, proposal, which is going out on, on exhibition again once uh, once we get some approvals from the state. Um, but that'll be to expand out uh, the the heritage conservation areas to take in some of those important areas down you know down through Warrandine and also over in Glenroy area there, over in East Orange around uh, the old Canopolis Holden. We've also had a development uh, um, proposal or a proposal for zonings over there just to try and increase the value of those those sites to give a good entrance into the CBD, make it really interesting, allow for things like you know, offices and things down on the ground floor and then maybe one or two levels of residential on top of that to, to try and make it a living city so people can live there, work there, walk into town, you know, buy their, um, their, their groceries and you know, go to the restaurants and then walk back home. The three areas you mentioned there, often council gets some criticism for, because we're on the, on the, we're on the receiving end of plans that a developer has come up with. Does this, is this an attempt by the council to set the agenda for those sites, to say this is what we want to see, rather than waiting for a developer to come up with something that they know they can make a profit of. We would like them to, to make a profit, but also look in this, in this way of doing it. Now, that's spot on, Alan. What, what we often look at with planning controls is getting the highest and best use of a site. Mm. So, you know, we, we've seen, you can see plenty of examples around in, in Orange or, or other cities where you look at a development and go, oh, there was so much more there. And that's where it's about putting these plans in place engaging with the community, making sure that that's what we'd like to see there as a city and then encouraging that type of development along. A couple of other quick ones on the planning committee agenda this week. There's been already a, a rehab, a small rehab facility out on Listerfield Road. What's the plan there? That was accepted by council this week. Yeah, so council resolved to support the application. Put a, the, the assessing authority for that one is not council, it's the Western Region Planning Panel. Um, just because of the size of the development. Five and a half million dollars worth? Yeah, and it's just the type of, because it's a health facility. So um, the council had a look at the application, council staff assessed it, and uh, we, you know, it's a, it's a necessary type development. Um, there's been one there for a number of years, and it's just expansion of that. So uh, council supported it, uh, and that was going to the planning panel for consideration yesterday. The DA, another DA that was on the agenda this week is for a new industrial subdivision. This time it's council's own project. When, you, when council tries to work out um, has industrial land around the place, how do you measure when's enough is enough? Uh, uh, is there lots of demand for the sort of directions that the, the new one will go out on Clergate Road? Yeah, the Clergate Road is really good and interesting as well because it's, um, you know, we don't just want residential development in town. We've got to have places where people can go for employment. Um, so there is a demand in Orange at the moment for industrial land. So it's not just residential stuff that's on the boom. And um, so we're allowing for that, that, that subdivision out there. Council occasionally steps into the market and, uh, and encourages um, development. And industrial areas, 
areas is where we like to do because of the employment driver it makes, the economic development. Um, so there's 43 new blocks going to go out there. We'll start. We'll do it in a couple of stages, but um, varying lot sizes from you know, one really big one because we're talking to a uh, quite impressive developer at the moment who will employ a large number of people out there, um, and that will happen pretty quickly. Uh, and then we'll have some smaller blocks in behind them uh, that'll come in. So. It's, it's important to have the variety of different size blocks, different areas. It's pretty flat out there, nice, good access to it. So um, it's a you know, good industrial uh, use of that land. Most of the established industrial estates, Leewood, Narambla, they're smaller blocks. So if a big company comes to town, you can, you're, without this new plot, you're basically saying, no, mate, we can't help you. Uh, that's what it's good about council owning some industrial land. So when we do get those developers come to town, we can say, yeah, okay, we can change the boundaries around for you there. But um, we've got other, other industrial blocks on the, on the move, so um, we've still been looking at the, the old sale yards for a number of years, and we'll have a variety of blocks sizes coming up there as well. Also on the agenda of this week's council meeting, uh, some of the latest future city plans were endorsed by council. A few tweaks and changes as a result of some community feedback. Yes, Alan. Um, yeah, the important part about uh, the future cities redevelopment is that um, we engage with both the community being the residents, but also the businesses. So I got a lot of feedback. Um, we've been out there really talking to the businesses, making sure they understand what we're trying to do to support them and uh, improve uh, um, the areas. So quite exciting stuff coming through. A few minor tweaks about trees and locations of different uh, parking facilities, that type of thing, but um, generally the same direction. So. You know, that's where you go through and we're getting a lot of feedback on some of the stuff we've seen already. Say, for example, the fairy lights down the uh, main street, getting so many people uh, mentioning how great it looks at night time, so encouraging people to come down in to Summer Street at night time. Uh, the councillors also mentioned it on Tuesday night, saying that they've even heard people say that have, from out of town, it looks fantastic, the main street at the moment. So We're about to have food week, uh, but not as we know it. We're not having night markets, no three or 4,000 people events, but lots of fun things happening. Um, it's good that those fairy lights have come on just in time for those. Yeah, I'll certainly plan for that. Uh, it's a good time to um, to highlight the city with uh, with so many people coming to town. So whilst there might be not the, the big markets type things that we're used to, um, there's certainly other events like the um, the long lunch in um, Sampson Street. They're quite exciting. So you know, expecting a fair few people this weekend. Mark, thanks for your time today. Thanks, Alan. Thanks for joining us for the show this week. Remember, you can catch us every week via the Orange City Council website or wherever you get your podcasts. Simply search for the Orange Podcast. Until next time, for the Orange Podcast, this is Alan Reader. Bye for now.